Welcome to Six Again, your go-to rugby league podcast with hosts Adam Hoy and Jared Mooton. Let's kick off. Welcome into the prelim finals preview show of the 6N podcast. Uh, you have myself, Adam, along with Nick Wally Wallace. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, it's a uh, little, little um, disorganised, got to be honest. Uh, it was about, what, 10 to 8. We usually record at 8. And while Messi's saying, we're going tonight. Because of the public holiday, I was fully thinking it was Saturday or Friday or something. Did not have my head in the game. Rugby was the last thing on and my John's. mind. And you're on school holidays. And on school holidays, yeah. It just, oh, man. All right, cool. Yeah. Award nominations. Team list. Let's go. Let's go. And then um, got down to my study, and it's the only room in the whole house that smells like mold. Just, mm. we've had one day of rain. I'm like, oh, has to be the room that I'm going to sit in for the next two hours. But <laughs> we'll make it short and sharp. Yeah. Apart from that, so, oh, it's, it's all good. But how are you doing? Yeah, going well. I'm... Um... I'm just happy I can talk about Parramatta tonight without getting in a half-hour argument with Jared. <laughs> oh, I think sorry, our listeners. Um, oh man, that's good. Well, I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, I'm grabbing a coffee. He's like, "By coffee, I hope you mean beer." I was like, "No, I finished my last beer today." All right, I'll just have some vodka. I'm good. Yeah, I've got tomorrow off, mate. So I'm I'm sinking a few beers. Oh, why you know, not? Gets the uh, gets the tongue wagging. Gets the yeah, yes, to talk a little bit more. So, well, it's not, I don't think we've got anything controversial to talk about, but we do have some opinion based stories, and that's around award nominations because it is award season. So, we're going to be looking at the players' champion nominations for both the NRL and the NRLW. We'll go through the voting process very briefly on that, and we'll also go through the two Dennis Tuddy award winners, one each from the NRL and NRLW. Then we'll go straight into games teamless etc the two nrl prelim finals the two nrlw prelim finals and then the two lineups for the prime minister's 13 matches on sunday part of the footy fest at suncorp stadium so yeah dennis tutty award so this one is a rugby league players association award and it's an award based on outstanding commitment in the community so straight off the rlpa website says this award goes to a current rugby league player who has demonstrated outstanding leadership on and off the field one criteria second one commitment to their fellow players and to the advancement and protection of their rights and also service and dedication to the game of rugby league now for 2022 in the nrl the winner was wade graham and in the NRLW, I just had it up here. There it is, Hannah Southwell. Luckily, I checked that, so I would have said the wrong one. Um, <laughs> so Hannah Southwell becomes the first female rugby league player to join. Well, it was sorry, the first rugby league female player to join the RLPA board of directors when she was appointed as a casual vacancy in 2021, and then formally elected to the board at the 2022 AGM, and also sits on the player advisory advisory group and Wade Graham he started as a delegate of the RLPA and then a member of the player advisory group before his appointment to the RLPA board in 2019 and Clint Newton the CEO praised Wade's commitment and the amount of work he's fulfilled this year on behalf of the playing group 
So congratulations to both Wade and Hannah for that one. And I'm not sure whether that, well, I'm sure they will uh, discuss it in some way on Dallium Night, but the award has been given out. It's the first of many uh, that will be. We're going to stick on the RLPA theme and their dream team as chosen by the players. Uh, we talked about on our last episode. And following on from that, we have the Players Champion Award. So how this works is each club uh, has a Rugby League Players Association member. They nominate three players from within their own club. And a fourth member of the club is chosen by an advisory group. And that gives four players from each team that can be selected from. And then all contracted players of the NRL for the NRL award, NRLW for the NRLW award, uh, can vote on who they believe has been the best player um, on a 3-2-1 basis. So it's kind of like, it, it's pretty much like a Dally M, but as voted by the players and the winner of each will be announced on grand final day. So we'll run through the five finalists for the NRL. Just, just before you... Yeah, Just go. before you get to that, does this vote is did this voting lead to the team, the dream team as well? Uh, I assume so. Uh, let's have a look about the players' champion voting. Uh, three, two, one format, delegated, not suspension. No, it looks as though it's in a well on the page. It looks as though it's in the bubble. Um, right. All five of these players are worthy. Recognize. I'd assume it would. It kind of makes sense that it would go along those lines. Um, but it, yeah, it does. But then you sort of like, oh, yeah, well, but you might not all, ben, you if, might not cover if, all positions. If, that's right. And then, like, also, if Ben Hunt got picked at seven, then why is Nico Hines nominated? Right. Mm. But yeah, so I must maybe they voted for each position from the nominees. And then, yeah, anyway, I, just, I was just wondering. Yeah, we might go back. We've got some time, we'll have a look. So we've got uh, Ben Hunt. Nico Hines, Joseph Manu, Cam Munster, James Tedesco. Uh, what's that? Two halfbacks, a fullback, a 5'8", and a centre 5'8", fullback in Manu. And we were talking on the pre-show because Jared and I looked through the champions team uh, as selected by the players, and Joseph Manu is in there in one of the centre positions. And I think we both agreed that his best games this year were outside of the centre position. And... I don't know. I think when it comes down to players voting against the, about the players that they play against, um, I assume that he's always going to be up there. Uh, with regards to that's, Tedesco, that's... it's his fourth appearance in a row. So that's pretty mm. outstanding. Absolutely, yeah. I guess that just goes to show where the flaws are in the system, right? Like people remember people's big games, but not necessarily where they played that game. So that's where Joey Manu, you know, he's... he's Two performances that jumped to mind. One was when he was playing six against us, and another was when he was playing fullback. And they were his two best performances of the year. I'm not saying that he's not a great player at centre, but it's just his most dominant performances are when he is wearing the one or the six. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, but yeah, especially that on the, I think on the team one, yeah, being in there at centre. But with regards to this one here, it's just, yeah, best, best player of the season. I think it, I guess it's going to be position um, be damned mm. or whatever. I'm just going to look at yeah. some of the names going back, even say 10 years. Um, not many surprises. You get back to 2012, Ben Barber. You remember that season? I'm mm. assuming that's going to be Absolutely. his... Um, 
That was when they made the grand final against Melbourne. Or was that 2014? Mm. Which, which year was... Something, it was at the Bulldogs. That was Bulldogs 2012, Ben Barber, wasn't it? Not, not yeah. Sharks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Bulldogs. Yeah. Because he, he only went to Sharks maybe the year before they won it. Yeah, that's right. Because I was thinking that was a pretty... Yeah, and he got the 20... He got the Dalian medal as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bonza. Um, Jonathan Thurston's won it four times. Akili Yawate, 2011. Darius Boyd, 2010. <laughs> Ben Kennedy, 2006. You are, unbelievable. I know. How's this? Jonathan Thurston's first one was in 05 when Tigers won the... Yeah, was the Cowboys. Oh, no, Cowboys. No, yeah, sorry, Tigers. Tigers yeah. beat yeah. Cowboys for the Premier So he won it in 2005. Didn't win it for his second time till 2013. And then yeah. went 13, 14, 15. Um, they're pretty cool. Break the NASA, Petro, Sivan, Siva joint, 2008. Um, so Tedesco has won it twice already. Cleary 2020. But yeah, let's have a look at the five from this year. Ben Hunt, Nico Hines, Joseph Manu, Cam Munster, uh, James Tedesco. Um, it's hard. I think it's a two horse race. Yeah, well, I think it's a two horse race from a fan's perspective or as a that's true opposing player. Yeah. That's a hard thing for us yeah. to really what? have an opinion. If it, from a fan's perspective, who had the who were you going for in that five? Bias, bias be dead. It, it's Ben Hunt and Nico Hines for me. I, I, I don't see that there were two better players across the year than those two consistently. Like uh, the other three may have had better patches of the season than those guys. But if we're, if we're talking about a full season rugby league champion or champion player, whatever it's called, it's for me, it's those two hands down. And I think there's a gap to third. Yeah, I think I agree with you as well. Look at that. Agreement on this show. Who would have thought? Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. <laughs> uh, and both of them had headline moments in this season as well. Um, ben Hunt's intercept in, in origin uh, pretty much summed up, I think, his series, being in the right place at the right time for a, a lot of things and having an outstanding series. And it's kind of a microcosm of his season. He's... Um, enabled his team to stay in games that they may not have stayed in. And then he's also won uh, more than his fair share of games for the Dragons. And what's impressed me, I think, the most about Nico Hines, not only did he come from the Storm, but I don't remember him playing halfback for the Storm even once. No. From memory. Maybe, maybe... Maybe like, coming off the bench. and Yeah, as like, an injury or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But yeah, you're 100% right. Like, the transition he's made from going from a bits and pieces player, oh, that's a bit harsh. Like he, obviously we sh- we saw last year when he got a full run at fullback. Before that, he was a bits and pieces player that came off mm-hmm. the bench and just filled, filled a position. And then I had severe doubts about him playing halfback at the start of the year. I was saying oh, yeah. Braden Trindle. Sh- I was saying Braden Trindle should be halfback and he should be playing six. At and yeah. even that was I thought was a stretch because I thought his best footy at Melbourne was playing one, not six. Um, but yeah, like I think I'm not the only one. I think a lot of people had doubts, and yeah. we're sitting here with egg on our faces now. Yeah, I, I think I had um, Moylan leaving, them keeping Johnson with Nico Hines or something like that, and that that was even further off. I think to me it was his size, 90 kilos, 188 centimeters. Um, I just how's he going to have the touch? 
with regards to his kicking game, especially. And he's just, he's been outstanding in the position, but the transition as well has been incredible. Uh, his vision yeah. and his timing was still up and down through the season, but that's to be expected. There's much more I'll season be, um, halfbacks who are still in that category. Oh, <laughs> Johnson. Uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to see how next year plays out. Obviously, we'll cover that once next season comes around. But, you know, clubs clubs work out players once they've got a, a full off-season to, to study them. And um, it'll be very interesting to see because you see a lot of halves. And it's, it's, it's almost like a second-year syndrome for him, right? Because it's his first full season at halfback. So next year, people know where he goes to, where he likes to kick from, what type of kicks he likes, when he likes to run the ball. So... Yeah, I'll be I'll be very interested to see how it plays out. For the NRLW, now same sort of setup and the final five can't showcase the dominance of the Roosters any more than this. So if you think about it, each club nominates four. There's six teams, that's 24 players. Uh, four of the five are from the Roosters. So Bremner, Joseph Kelly, McGregor. So their four nominations all made it through. And Samaima Tafua from Parramatta Eels is the fifth player. So the whole NRLW wide, there was enough votes spread around all four Roosters players to get them all through. So that's Sammy Bremner, Keely Joseph, Isabel Kelly, and Racine McGregor. Oof. Now, I'd love to argue against it, but when you yeah. play the five games, you win all five games by double-digit margins, bar one. Um, what can you say? Oh, I... Yeah, and then how do you split the four? Um, Isabel Kelly think, was yeah. they've brilliant. All, they've all had they've all had big like probably two or three games where they've been standouts this year, yeah. and it's almost I reckon it'll almost come down to like recency bias. Uh, whoever's been the best player to finish the year, maybe that's where the Parramatta player might just slide on him. Yeah, well, it's obviously we don't have the history of this award. But we do have three years worth. 2019, Jess Surges. 20, Hannah Southwell. 2021, Emma Tonegato. Um, and then previous to that, we had the Elite Women's Player of the Year. And Samama Tafua won that in 18 and 17. Um, and Bremner won it in 2016. So it, it's got, there, there's some precedents there. But you're having a look at it this year. For, for, for mine, I, I'm going to go Racing McGregor. McGregor. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that kills me to go greens. against Isabel. <laughs> K- kills me. Uh, mate, she's moved on from the Manly Beaches, all right? No, she hasn't. No, she's come back. <laughs> uh, but Racing but McGregor see, like, is, think, is brilliant yeah. to watch. Absolutely. And that's what I was going to say. Just, just on Isabel Kelly, her first two games, she was a standout. And then I won't say she's like, not informed now, but she just hasn't been relied on at all. Yeah. And Racing McGregor's just been a dominant player, and Sammy Bremner has been huge as well. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if if she gets it. But um, yeah, it's just it's just a I guess a, of riches, man. Exactly right. It's a display of how much talent they've got in their team, and it's gonna it's gonna take a good team to knock them off in the finals. Remember, that was only uh, our fans' perspective. We have no idea what these players actually like to <laughs> yep. play against on we've, the field. We've never lined that. up against them. And, and never want to. <laughs> no, I'm good. I've had the wind knocked out of me just high school trainings and yeah. enough, let alone anything else. We're, uh, we're, we're both happily retired. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of that, actually, um, I did see 
you share a post with regards to your cricket club and the eight aside bash on NRL grand final day? Do you want to give that a, a quick plug while we're here? Yeah. A couple of minutes till break. Yes. It looks fun. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, it's good. It's, um, it's been something we've, we've run for a long time. It's, um, We've changed the name of it. It was previously named the Michael Ledger Day in honour of um, one of our former players who passed away um, uh, in his mid-20s, going back a, a fair while now. But um, they've changed it this year to sort of give it more of a community feel instead of just, you know, getting just people involved with the club around. So that's it's what we're calling the Cutters Community Cup. Um, it's, it's running on the Sunday the 2nd of October. And, yeah, it's, as Adam said, it's just an eight-a-side comp. It's um we've got your mates sponsoring us this year. They're coming down with a pop up bar and serving beers oh, throughout the day. Yes. So um, even if you don't like playing cricket, or you can sit there have a beer and watch. So um, it's just a great day. It's a good day for the community, and um, you know it, it brings people in from outside the club, even from other clubs that come in and just want to have a game. And you know uh, all all the money there will will go to a charity as well. So it's yeah, it's a really good day, good fun, and and we're also screening the the NRL grand final in the club PS afterwards on a projector screen. So yeah. got the full day covered. So so yeah, if you just um if you follow the Nambo Cricket Club on on the socials, Facebook or Instagram, uh, there'll be updates there on how to register. Cool. That's all I was gonna ask then. So if you're in sunny coast, Brisbane, north of Sunny Coast, um get eight mates or seven mates, or eight mates if you just want to watch. Um jump on Nambo Cutters Cricket Club, Nambo Cricket Club. Yeah. Anyway, you that's, can. That's and pretty much it. We might even just, we'll just throw the link in the show bio as well. Because um, I'm already starting to get a list together in my head. All right. We're going to have a quick <laughs> break and we'll come back with the prelim final team list. So, to kick off finals weekend, we have Cowboys versus Eels Friday night up at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. Um, and kicking off at 7.50, another family friendly time slot. Beautiful to see. And so this is the Cowboys third, taking on the Eels fourth. Um, no changes for the Cowboys. Remember, they won their week one finals matchup 32-30 over the Sharks. Had the week off. And for the Eels, a late change with Tom Opacic uh, being ruled out. Bailey Simons are coming into the centres, although more than likely would change with Wonga Blake uh, on game day. So, oh, so game. That, that's official, is it? Oh, is that more than likely they said? Because last time they did this, they switched the. Oh no, sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize um that I haven't seen the twenty four hour cut. So yeah, yeah. Now Oliver checks out. Um, I'm gonna say Wonga Blake looks good outside of the high ball. Um, on the wing, so yeah. eighteen, and the other change is Bryce Cartwright comes in on the bench in place of Makashi Makatoa. So Makatoa goes back to eighteenth man, and for the Cowboys, Jermaine Tanua Brown is their eighteenth man with Jake Branville. The backup there, Nathan Brown. The backup uh, for the Eels. I've um, got a hot tip. I reckon. Oh, here we go. I reckon Nick. I reckon Nick Corey will play centre, and Simon's will be 18th man, and they'll bring either Makatoa or um, Nathan Brown onto the bench. I, Ooh, I, th- like I had a bit of a think about this because last week I was like, "Oh, Wang or Blake will go to centre," but it's it's just disturbing a lot of combinations, you know, like yeah. If they move one from right wing to left center, then they've also got to put to the essentially both edges and then having to deal with reshuffle. And the the right edge of power has been a concern, um, obviously, the last few years, but it's looked better of recent once they've played more footy together. Um, so, yeah, I reckon 
Nick Hore marking up on Hiku. Hiku's shouldn't really burn him with speed or anything like that. I think it's probably not a, a bad matchup. And I actually, I like Nick Hore running at Hiku, to be honest. That's my two cents worth. I don't mind that. Oh, sorry. I've just got this bloody ginger ninja crawling all over me. Ow. And oh, he's, not talking, he's not talking about me. Oh, gee, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can scratch like that. Oof. Um, bloody lost my train of thought then. I think you're selling Hiku short a little bit just on how he'd finish his season. Usually usually I would. It just seems like he's gone. He's found an, a new lease up there, Hiku. Um, I, I don't disagree with him being able to run over him. I, I do think Hiku's got enough craft in us, though, to get in and around or at least do it enough to be able to put his winger away against Niakore. In saying that, um, Wonga Blake's no great shakes defensively either, even though he's got more of athleticism. He doesn't have the, um, let's say, defensive IQ to be an elite level player at that position. Um, I don't mind the, I don't mind the thought process though. Um, with regards to combinations, I don't know, I think, Simonson being more of an out-and-out winger and Blake playing most of his career at centre shouldn't make too much of a difference, but I do get where you're coming from. Yeah. Either way, I don't think it's going to be enough to make a difference. No, Simonson hasn't played a game of footy for a couple of months either, so you're also bringing him in completely cold, whereas you've had, you know, you can bring Makatoa back on the bench who hasn't been playing first grade for pretty much the whole season. So, I don't know, it's just... It wouldn't surprise me if that's what BA goes for. Yeah. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I think he's... I know. It'd be hard to read his sort of mindset, do is he? Or... or is he going to be all go, up for a gamble and knowing that... Well, which a, is, it blows which up is his the face. bigger gamble? I don't know. Which that's is the bigger big, gamble, the, the, right? The like, media will go with or, whichever doesn't happen. Exactly right. And, you know... Without you know, actually putting up what you just said beforehand. Yeah, what worked for them well earlier in the year was putting Jacob Arthur at six and then oh, Dylan Brown at centre. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to do that. Uh, no. I think Arthur is well suited on the bench. Uh, it's a good mm. spot for him. Uh, for the for the Cowboys, it was what I was always wondering was with Luciano Leilua coming up and we knew he was going to be there from next year, but then it became a bit more of an emergency with... Um, Lukey being ruled out for the season with the ACL. Um, and then Cotter being out, Gilbert shifting to prop for that for that time as well. And the emergency of getting him up there. Now everyone's fit. I was interested to see where he's going to be playing. And he's been used uh, as starting prop, starting second rower, bench prop, bench second rower. And he slotted in here on the interchange. Uh, I wouldn't rule out a late switch there either for Leilua and Gilbert. Uh, we Leilua to start and Gilbert to come on to help the... Um, I don't know, a bit, bit of versatility as well. Because um, I think they can both play that impact role off the bench. And then you've got Cohen Hess and Griffin Neem to round out the prop rotation with Ruben Cotter and McLean. Um, Dan, that's a, a lot. I just love watching that forward pack. It's you got the honest guys and McLean and um, Neem and Hess. You've got the explosivity of Leilua and Tamalolo, um, craftiness of Nanai, and then just the workhorses in Cotter and Gilbert. It's just. It's so well balanced. Uh, I don't know. You know what word I'm going to use to describe the Cowboys? I'm saying because I've used it like a million times this year. Um, they're $1.71 favourites over the Eels, $2.15, and I'm going for the Cowboys just because they are fun. They're just so much fun to watch. 
Just especially yeah. like even so when they're in trouble, it's kind of just like we've been throwing the ball around. Let's just do it more. Um, and how Drinkwater plays and how he feeds off uh, Dearden and Townsend. It's just it's just awesome. It's how footy should be played. I think it's it's calculated, risk free, fearless footy. That's great. Yeah, I um I'll be tipping Parramatta. Um, I, I honestly don't know how this game could play. It, it could mm. be if it's a free-flowing game, then I think Cowboys might get them. But if if Parra's pack absolutely dominate the Cowboys, I think Parra then put a score on, on the Cowboys. Because I've got to say, I, I, I differ from you. Their week one performance against the Sharks, I, I actually wasn't that impressed with the quality of that game as far as finals football goes. I, really, I must. I, I it was a great game of footy to watch as a as a spectacle. Yeah, but there, I didn't. There was some very soft tries. I reckon, like, or maybe not the tries, but there was some soft stuff that led up to the tries. And mm. I don't know. It just it lacked a bit of physicality for me. Um, whereas you've seen a lot of the other games, it's just been physical and and that's one thing Para will do. They'll go up there and they'll go after Tamalolo. It like obviously it's a tough mm. job to do that. Yeah. Ruben Cotter, all those sorts of guys. But you saw what Campbell Gillard, Junior Paolo uh, did yeah. to Papali Ian Tarpane last week, who are arguably the form front row pairing in the comp. Um, Tarpane had one off offload last week and he barely cracked 100 meters. Like you just don't, you hadn't seen that for two. How three much months, of that so. do you reckon was what they had to do against the storm the week before? Oh, I don't know. Like I feel like oh, I don't put a lot of basis like, in it. I'm just throwing it out there. No, I I don't like that. To be fair, like I feel like Parramatta cop a lot more than what other teams do, just because of their finals record in the last five years. You know, like. Yeah. The, the Raiders come out and they yeah they've been up for a couple of months and they came out and beat the Storm and then all of us and everyone's talking about how good they are blah 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 and then Parry go out and put forty on them and like oh you know they've just run out of steam well, fuck off like they everyone excused the Storm for getting beaten by them and then all of a sudden Parry beat them by forty and it's not good enough like I I just get really frustrated when it comes to people's opinions on Parramatta because they're so one sided. Like they're either for or against them, and obviously I'm I'm for them, but um, I don't know. I I think I think last week was the hurdle that they had to jump Paro, and I think mm-hmm. I think they'll come out and get them this week. Yeah, I, I could see it happening. Uh, I yeah, with my manly bias, I just want them to continue to not win. That's <laughs> yeah. um, just but it's in the ice hockey. The big thing there's Toronto. Um, it's like the epicenter of the hockey world, and they can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. They've made it. They haven't won a, the whole thing since 1969, I believe. But they haven't been able to get out of the first round for the last decade, despite having two of the top five players in the world. And they just... Yeah. Last year, they played one of the best series ever and got beaten by the back-to-back champions. Um, and the whole story was, hey, they got knocked out in the first round again. Um, and they just... They're named a, they're part of the loser franchises, even though they're so successful way, way, way back. They can't get past the first round of the finals. And I think yeah. Parramatta is going to continue to get that label till they do it. Till they do it, exactly. That's only one way to shut people up, right? Yeah. And it's like the um, Rabbitohs coming up against Penrith, third year in a row. They're taking on the Panthers in elimination game. Last year was the grand final year before that was prelim. This year it's the prelim. And 
they're going to keep saying it until the Rabbitohs turn the table. Exactly. I think um, I think this game's going to be defined by the first 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Being that the Cowboys are a very young, inexperienced team and bar really Tamuolo, Townsend and Valentine Holmes and even Valentine Holmes, he was playing wing when they won a comp in the Sharks. There's not a lot of finals experience there. Um, and albeit that Parramatta have had a lot of losing finals experience, they've, they know how to handle the ups and downs of, of finals footy. So I think if Parra can beat them in that first 20 minutes, get up to a 10-point lead or whatever, it might just take the wind out of the sails. Because I, I think the, all the pressure's on the Cowboys, right? They're the oh, team that's got the see. I don't know. There. They've got the home final, 30,000 mad North Queensland fans there. The, the expectations on them, they're the favourites now. Oh, so Parra going up there, Parra aren't the favourites. And yeah, you know, they get away from oh, Sydney. They get away from there. Sydney hype. I think when you said they've learnt the ups and downs of I don't think Parramatta's learnt well, we haven't seen this year that they've learned anything from the downs because Oh, so no, that's no, not true. Yeah, because they had to come back after Penrith, but they weren't expected to win that one anyway. Um, they came back with a better and they, performance. And they were, well and truly, they were well and truly in that Penrith game too. Yeah. And like, that's that's the thing that's really shit me is like, people yeah, but, have just dismissed it. They looked at the scoreline and said, oh, Parra got pumped. Like, no one actually talks about what happened in that game. Parra were leading up to 50 minutes. Uh, Mitch Moses got knocked out in the 60th minute. They were up 13-8. They literally run... Uh, no, sorry. Penrith were up to 13 yeah, 8 yeah. um, They literally had 10 minutes or five minutes to come up with a set play, which they ran to perfection. They scored. They scored the very next set where Mitch Moses was defending because Jacob Arthur mm. sucked in and then they burnt and they scored. Mitch Moses you defense, say that's not... Like, that's the thing that went against them this year. Did you want to see more from, more from them? To finish the game, despite like not in that twenty not minute, winning in that twenty minute period, yeah. Oh, obviously, like I would have liked to have seen them turn them away and and you know still be in that game, but the game got taken out away from them in the five minutes after Moses got knocked out. Right, they went from a five point deficit to a nineteen point deficit, and they they'd had no good ball anymore. Like Penrith had all the running, and I liken it to the 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 point of the last power Penrith game when Nathan Cleary got knocked out, right? It was only, it was 12-4 that, uh, not knocked out, sorry, he got sent off. I know it's a bit different than one man down, but Parramatta had all the momentum at that point and then they just went bang, 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 wait on three tries and the game was over. Whereas this one, Moses got knocked out, which would have taken the wind out of the sails, especially when they scored in the very two next sets. So I feel like timing's everything, right? And if if Para were on the front foot at the point of Moses getting knocked out, it wouldn't have ended up a twenty-seven-eight score on. I think. Um, anyway, I don't know where else to go with that, but <laughs> no, no, but we're talking about whether they. I'd ask you whether you want to see more of him after the thing went against him. The other thing you said though, with all the pressure on the cameras, I don't think it is because of how many people. Like I felt I was higher on them than most, and I still had them tenth. I think anything that's happened this year above like just getting in the top eight for most people they've already overachieved so much this year i think the only pressure that's going to be on them is going to be from the players and the coaching staff themselves i i I think that this has been a an awesome surprise um for 90 percent of the people that follow the game and that that includes a lot of their supporters they're gonna they'll get behind their team yeah they'll be disappointed if they lose 
but I'd be interested to see how many people are going to expecting them to win um, as opposed you, to, wow. You, you... Like, it's kind of like with Manly last year with me going, hey, man, like I knew we had a good team, but I went down to the prelim final at Suncorp against Rabbitohs going, hey, we've got a shot to win. But I didn't go there going, oh, we're going to win this. Like, Yeah, but you also weren't, weren't favourites for that game. You're not having a home crowd sell out. Yeah, but know, the, the Rabbitohs two, or anything. Two weeks, two weeks leading up to it, thinking about this game. Like, This is the first time the entire year that, you know, everyone's sort of been like, well, not the first time, but now everyone's like, Cowboys are the real deal now. And they, they've got the home ground advantage. They've got 30,000 fans there. Para. Oh, and so now home ground advantage is a thing, is it? Well, it is. Absolutely, it is. Well, like, because they've got 30,000 fans. Everyone shut me down last week. They're going into the game as favourites, and that's the first time this year they're going to have to deal with expectations on the big stage. And it's because they weren't expected to beat the Sharks week one. So they sort of slid into that game. Sharks, you know, were were the faves. They had the home ground advantage. You know, at Shark Park, and oh, okay. Cowboys just went in there and did a job. Do you know and who doesn't I, care that much about anticipation and nerves and all that sort of stuff? Young okay. players. Oh, some young players do. But some young players also had that. While they haven't had the finals uh, experience, Ruben Cotter, Gilbert, Nanai, all being drafted into the Queensland team this year. How many? I don't think anyone would have seen that coming at the start of the season. And I know yeah. it's not finals, and you've got that second and third chance. Uh, well, Gilbert didn't. He came in the, the do-or-die game. Now I learned what Origin was about and then having to rebound back. I think they're going to take experience from that, um, especially Don't get me playing wrong. that I'm big not, game. I'm not, I'm not saying they can't win. Yeah, really. I know. I, I know. I, We're just trying I, to... I, I'm tip... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Both points I, of the argument. I think it's all going to come down to like how they handle the expectation because I think it's the first time this year they've they've really they're really gonna have to deal with it. And yeah, I don't know. Mate, I'm I'm so nervous about this game because I, I literally stuck my neck on the line for power this year. <laughs> so um fucking hell. Hey, like, you you don't yeah. have to take anything from any fans that aren't where wouldn't be like if they lose, you only have to listen to Cowboys fans and whoever wins the other game. It's all good. Yeah, that's right. Um and Jared. Um, actually, just on that, so I love how Jared criticizes my prediction to win the comp when they've made it to the prelim. When both of his one didn't even make the finals, then one got knocked out week one. <laughs> yeah, oh, I do. I've got I'm the only one who's got a team left in in the preseason predictions. Oh, no, I didn't I have do. yours written down. That's right. I, I had Eels Roosters and Eels to win. Yeah, I had Eels Roosters. So. Yeah, okay, cool. So we're both on there. Um, Either way, it's going to be great to see the two best referees get these games. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Far out. Are there two good referees? No, it's Atkins and Cummins. No, no. I said, are, are there two good referees yeah. getting around? Yeah, bloody Todd Smith and um, the Ginger. And um, yeah. the other guy whose name I don't know. The fact that I don't know their names <laughs> is a good thing. He's um, the one that's like a bit robotic with the... Oh, yeah, I can picture him. Looks the, like... The hair spikes, anyways. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I, don't think, uh, I don't know his name. Um, that's a good thing. If we don't know your name, you're doing a good job uh, if you're a referee. All right, let's have a look at the second prelim. So 750, 
um, bad at that uh, Penrith strong forward of Accor Stadium. They are trying to beat their crowd record for a non-grand finals game of 46,000. Um, they should beat that with South just rolling down the road to their to their ground there. Um, like we said, we mentioned the... No, we didn't mention the changes for this one, did we? Uh, we're only talking about the other game there. So no injury concerns for Penrith. Charlie Staines comes in on to the wing for Talon May, who's suspended. That'll see Brian Tuko shift from left edge sorry from the right edge to the left so he's going to partner Isaac Targo and Coruscant has been named uh, don't be surprised but for a late switch there with Mitch Kenny on game day like they did against the Eels for the Rabbitohs Alex Johnson and Jairo have both been named despite failing to finish the semi-final against the Sharks Johnson said he was touching go but he's confident of taking his place they have Josh Mansour uh listed on the reserves, despite him not playing since round eight. Uh, they've also got Richie Kenner and Blake Taff. So, yeah. Um, Arrow, with his groin, is expected to be right to play. Looking at their reserves, David Mawali and Jacob Host are the two forwards there. Um, just a side note, Blake Taff, what a uh, season for him after last year coming in and then towards the end of the season and reignite in South's finals, uh, grand final chances. And this year's hardly been sighted after that injury. Um, haven't had a final place for him. Interesting to see what yeah. happens next year. Absolutely. Like he, he was sort of, obviously he started the year at fullback and I think he was victim of um, how South were traveling at the time. Like mm-hmm. Nick Arima got signed in season and then they sort of went for, experience there just as I guess maybe is to help out Ilias in the in the halves or, or whatever the reasoning was and then yeah he copped an injury as well and then Latrell's come back and yeah he's, he's really been the forgotten man this year. Um which is a shame but I guess he's he's only young still but oh yeah he's got um, heaps of time. Yeah. But yeah you're right he, he showed last year that he can definitely handle the, the big occasion. But talking about big occasion these three or these three these two have met uh, third year in a row. Now, uh, does South have what it takes to turn the table third time around? Is pretty much the question because the Penrith Panthers are continuing on doing the same thing and it's working. Um, mm. South have gone through the mass change of a new coach, a new halfback, a new captain, a new conversion kicker, and that's all. Three of those are the same player. The loss of their best outstride back outside um, Mitchell and Dane Gagai. Uh, started the season off quite poorly and have finished the season arguably the strongest of anyone in the top eight. Um, coming into a side that it's hard to say if they've improved from last year because last year was so good. And well, the funny thing is, last year Penrith, Penrith won a comp last year, not even playing their best footy. Mm. And you could argue now they're, they're playing some bloody good footy, um, if not better. The my my only concern with Penrith and it's it's to do with like how well rested they are. They played one game in three weeks because they rested the majority of their players. They rested thirteen players last round of the season. They beat Power. They've had another week off, so it could go either way. Whether they're you know well rested and ready to come out, which they were against Power, or you know like the prelims are a different thing to week one probably get your head get your head around yeah you know week one you know i've got to sell out penrith stadium 
we're only missing the last round. We're short of first place. You're short of nothing in the prelim now. So, um, I don't know. They've got all the expectation on them, very similar mm. to the Cowboys. More expectation. Um, a funny stat I found actually was 20, so 2020, Melbourne beat Penrith in the grand final. They met in the prelim the next year. Penrith reversed the result and beat them and won the grand final that year. Mm. Penrith beat Rabbits in the grand final last year. Penrith are now playing Rabbits in the prelim the next year. So do the Rabbits turn the table? Do that massive, massive sample size there. It's that's it. <laughs> oh, it's like sorry. Okay. I was gonna say, look at the Manly Melbourne, but no, that was grand final, grand final. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think there's there's too many niggles and players missing for Rabbits. I think like. They've lost Tom Burgess' suspension. Sleeva Havili has been one of their unsung heroes this year. He's just been coming off the bench and just chalking up metres. And he really gets Damien Cook on that front foot. Um, Jai Arrows, Karen and Niggle, Johnson, potentially 50-50 still. So, I don't know. It's just <clears throat> coming up against a Penrith team that's just been sitting there raring to go. I, I can't see South getting up in this one. Yeah, we talked about that last week with regards to injuries and how much the previous week is going to inf- impact how they play this week and all that sort of stuff. Um, I don't buy into a game six days ago affecting them the next week outside of the no. fact that all players at this time of the year have a niggle of some sort or they're sore, their body's tired. It's just, it's what happens. Um, yeah, the extra week off allows you to recuperate and those niggles feel less so, but everyone's carrying something at some stage. But you, you already know if you're Penrith, you're going to be testing Jairo's agility um, sideways to see if that groin's going to hold up. You're going to be going at Alex Johnson. Well, it's hard to do that with a winger, but you're going to be giving him a lot of work coming out of his out of his half um, to test that hamstring out, all that sort of stuff. You know that is going to be. A part of the game plan there. Uh, yeah, oh, there's not as much to really talk about with this one because outside of Charlie Staines coming in and Brian Toto switching sides, uh, the, the, this Penrith team's settled. We know how they're going to play. South know how they're going to play. Every team's known how they're going to play for this whole season and no one's been able to stop it. So outside of Penrith twice, uh, Parramatta twice, but then that blew up in their face in... Um, Week one of the finals. Oh, I'm just, I don't yeah, see yeah. how South. I don't see how South's forward pack can contain Penrith. That's my concern. But don't they, their back line's got all the skill in the world, and they'll be licking their lips at Charlie Staines on the right wing, like on their defending their left edge. But I just don't see how their forwards are going to get them out of trouble because that bench is, with all due respect, it's a real no frills bench. There's not much impact coming off it, so. I don't know. I'm not, but I mean, Seattle, yeah, you're right. They've been close to the form team for the last three months. So they just keep turning up. And, you know, no one expected them to beat the Roosters week one in the finals, other than myself. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and then to back it up the next week. And they were far from their best last week and still put on 38 points against the Sharks, who were one of the best yeah. defensive teams in the comp. So who knows? If they do win, Latrell Mitchell is going to be the man of the match and he's going to walk into. The grand final, um, freaking raring. 
All right, I think we – you went Parramatta. I went Cowboys. I think we're both going Penrith. Uh, do we have a Knicks picks for the prelim finals? And just as a oh, – yeah. Just as an update, so everyone lost last week. Uh, Nick lost a whole 20 bucks, so he's down to $847. I lost 54 trying to catch up, so I'm down to $150.33. And Jared lost 30, so he's down to 30. Um, yeah. I'm just, I've, <clears throat> I've got two ones here that I'm just tossing up, which is the best one. Uh... All right, well, let Wall go first, because I think one of his is backed up by history, if that's the one that you're going with. Um, oh no no that was just a fun fact that I was meant to bring up earlier in the pod but we, we've moved on since then okay. so um, let me just uh, I've screenshotted my multi you guys so are all going to be shaking in anticipation for something that you'll never hear about <laughs> so the uh, two leg multi this week across the two games I've got Viliama Kikau uh, anytime into Isaiah Papali'i anytime so that's uh, $12.04 Odds, I've got $20 on that, which will give me $240.83, according to the Blue Betting um, Agency app. What do no, we no call free that ads. One? That no free call? ads. Yeah, that's right. Although yes. Blue Bet is one, and that's not who I'm betting with. <laughs> yeah, I, I call mine the blue, and, yeah, the blue and yellow. Um, blue and yellow, yeah. That's the thing. Well, I can make a pretty safe, Looking back, because he's got such a lead, and uh, we're carrying, we're catch, we're doing massive catch ups here. So um, that payout was what two hundred and something to uh, two hundred and forty dollars and eighty three cents. Yeah, it would be two forty. All right, so I'm going high risk, high reward because I have to. Um, so I'm going a three leg multi over the two games. Now uh, I got Val Holmes anytime try scorer. I've got Latrell Mitchell anytime try scorer. And I've got South Sydney to win. That's the, that's the crux on there. And I'm putting at seventeen sixty, and I'm putting fifty on that, and that's an eight eighty return. Come on! Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, um, to say that I'm less than confident uh, is putting it mildly. <laughs> so I got Latrell Mitchell, Val Holmes, South. Let's go. All right. Now that I've just lost 50 bucks, uh, let's move on to the NRLW <laughs> uh, prelims. So we've got, and remember, this is all part of Footy Fest out at Suncorp Stadium, starting at two o'clock on Sunday through to the kickoff of the final game, I believe, at 7.30, 7.50 or most likely, 7.35. There you go. Uh, I'm taking the kids down to, just like definitely for the first two games, the women's games, and it depends on their feeling, how we how long we stay for. So first game is Knights taking on the Dragons. So this should be second versus third. Uh, for the Knights, Mika Upton is back after missing the last two weeks with calf injury. Shanice Parker shifts back to centre. Just Gentle drops out. Uh, otherwise, they're unchanged from the team that beat the Dragons in round five. Dragons, mass changes after Soward opted, Coach Soward, sorry, opted to rest several players last week. Some returned from injury. So in come Kezi Apps, uh, Paige McGregor, both in their starting roles after having a break. Tegan Dimmick, Tally Holmes are back from injury. Mona Lisa Soliola also returns to the bench. So those who drop out are Chantel Stowers, Zali Hopkins, Chantel Tugaga, Renee Target and Aliti Nemosi. 
Alrighty, so in this game, Knights are going into this one, um, you'd say, as deserved favourites based on their their form this year. Dragons have definitely had patches of showcasing what they can do, but it hasn't been there consistently enough to be able to knock off the likes of Roosters and Knights, um, albeit with a much more experienced team this week than they showcased last week. Uh, are you giving your girls a chance in this one? Absolutely. <clears throat> um, I'm I'm giving it the uh, Roosters Rabbits theory, right? So they met oh, yeah. last round. Rabbits Rabbits weren't there. Came back, turned the tables the next week. I oh, know. I think <clears throat> I listened to Jamie Soward's um, preview for this week, and it just seems quietly confident, eh? Like he sort of knew, mm-hmm. like obviously they they wanted to win last week, but he knew that they were bigger fish to fry. Um, and I know I feel Newcastle being new kids on the block, they might, you know, want to stamp their authority last week a bit more than, than we do, being that we've we've been to finals before. So I don't know. Maybe that's just the, you know, the biased dragon point of view. But Could be. Um, so I'm also looking at the, of, the players that they brought in do have a lot of finals experience. True. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think um, the most exciting thing for me last week from a Dragons fan point of view was Elsie Albert was back to a damaging best like she had a 30 40 meter run just bulldozing people which she probably hasn't had that since the end of like maybe the semi-finals last year she was pretty well contained in the grand final but she looked like she was fresh raring to go she's had injuries herself so mm-hmm. she's probably needed a couple matches to get that under her belt Kezi Apps has been I reckon close to the best forward in the in the comp this year she's just been knocking the door down um Keely Davis only played 20, 20 odd minutes last week. Who's who's generally playing close to seventy minutes yeah. of hooker and and lock. So, um, yeah, I think I think we'll be ready for it. But um, the one that I'm really hoping and expecting to have a big game is Emma Tonegado. I think she's sort of I'm not saying she's out of form or anything like that. But she being... just hasn't. That's right, and and I guess that's coming down to you know second year into the comp. People have done some study on her. Where, where to get her to, you know, start her runs and all that sort of stuff. And she's still heavily involved, but I'm hoping that, you know, the, the last two weeks we've had Philly Mayono playing out of six, which has probably affected that. Um, she's played lock um, two weeks ago. She played centre last week, just sort of filling holes in the team because we've been, you know, had a few injuries and resting a few so people. Who, so who, who's your first choice, 5'8"? Philly Mayono is. Yeah, okay. So she, um, she's been named at six but then had late changes the last two weeks. Yeah, so she, okay. yeah, she's played lock and, lock and center. So um, hopefully getting her back, she really unlocks that left edge for us. And that's where Tom, Tony Gardo floats in and out. So yeah, I'm, I'm quietly confident, maybe not confident, but I'm optimistic. But you still, you look at that Knights team, like you said, they bring Upton back into the fold, which just strengthens the rest of their squad. And she's a live wire out the back. So Talking about up um, front, they got to shut down Boyle Johnson early. Um, yeah, Millie I think Boyle's we've got the four the is Yeah, dangerous. I think um, I think Kezi and Elsie will just be told just to be in front of Millie for the entire game, or for as long as she's out there. Just yeah. one of them has to be there to to hit her and try to hit her hard, um, just to sort of slow that momentum. Because you're right, they play off the back of that. So, um, yeah. but no, they've been they've been impressive. They're the only team to really push the Roosters this year. So. Um, it's going to take a really good performance to knock them off. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching. I'm going to tip the Knights, but I'm pulling for the Dragons. There you go. Thanks. Um, um, yeah, I'm really, I've never seen an NRLW game, so I'm really excited to watch it. I'm really excited for my kids to watch it as well because they really enjoy watching it on TV. So hopefully the girls put on a, an awesome performance. Uh, second game sees the first place and undefeated Roosters taking on the Eels, who got into the finals in on the last week. Uh, defeating the Brisbane Broncos. Sorry, uh, is uh, the whole analysis on this one? Is there anything Parramatta can do to stop this Roosters juggernaut? Because well, <laughs> week one, they they matched it with them for the first fifty odd minutes in week one, and then Roosters ran over them. I think it was eighteen sixteen, and then yeah. Roosters ended up winning thirty eight sixteen. Yeah, and um, they're tenacious, Parramatta, like. Every game bar that, they've been within four points, I think. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they had the big win last week. So, like, you're confident tipping the Roosters, but you wouldn't write them off just the way their season's gone. Differences there. Bremner's first game, uh, back up to two years. She's now had a, a full well, full season. It's like four weeks. But then also was rested last week, as was Racing McGregor. And they still put 30 something on the Titans, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they had yeah. Th- yeah, 38 points on the Titans. 38 yeah. Titans. Um, so, Jay Teller drops out. Josephine Kelleher reverts up to the bench after playing the halves last week. Um, Tafuga returns to the wing in place of Shannon Rose and Maya Hilmawana starts in the front row, which bumps Hopawadi back to the bench. Um, Spineen is unchanged for the Eels from last week with co-captain Siana Penatani and Samaya Tafua both played uh, both names, sorry, despite picking up quad and ankle injuries last week. Uh, yeah, like just in those two names, Parramatta have talent throughout their roster. It's just whether they can bring it all together. Gail Bruton uh, has kind of had an up and down season, which is to be expected, like coming in with, with massive raps, being the New Zealand Rugby Sevens legend and has shown glimpses of it. Uh, it's just consistency. Is, it is with all uh, pro sporting comps. Those are going to be as more consistent than the rest are generally your better players. Tiana Penatani, we've already mentioned her. Um, Vanessa Foliaki in the on the edge there. And then, yeah, um, Tafura Lot, Kenny Charrington coming off the bench. So there's sprinkling of talent throughout that squad. They are hard work. I think tenacious is a really good word to describe them. But the Roosters can be and are that as well. And it was last year, but the best example was coming back from that 16-point deficit against the Broncos um, to knock them off. And then that's just catapulted them onto this winning streak that really, apart from that first game against the Eels and that um, closer one against the Knights, despite them being up 16-0 themselves, or 16-0, 18-0, something like that, um, no one's been able to hold it together for 70 minutes to be able to get across the line and beat this team. So until that happens, I... And going to continue to tip them. Um, like I said this before, out of the six teams, that four of my most hated <laughs> clubs. So watching the Roosters versus the Eels brings me no joy, regardless of what happens. But oh, I guess I prefer the Roosters to win just because when they're on, they are such a good team to watch. Uh, the ball skill, the speed, the I love the term IQ, but their decision-making of not just their halves, but their outside backs. Sergis and Kelly in both attack and defense. Bremner when she injects herself into the line. Um, I've really enjoyed watching Olivia Koenig this year. Um, 
Yeah, I hope the Eels do push them. I, I want to see a good game. I don't want it to be a blowout or anything like that. Uh, but, yeah, Roosters for me. Yeah, it's funny. This this actually reminds me of last season for the Roosters, right? They they were the accidental semifinalists. They only snuck in because Para got beaten, I think, in the last round of the season. And then they snuck into fourth, knocked off Broncos who were the dominant team all season, right? So it just has that bit of a feel. Yeah, yeah right. Um, when, whenever you see an the same with the Raiders, right? Like they were the accidental semifinalists and then they come in and cause an upset. So all the expectations on the Roosters, um, the the big thing for Power is having their co-cap, like Penetani's been huge and yeah. obviously Samama Taufa nominated for the Rugby League Players Award champion. So um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's, that's massive. If they're both there and both close to 100% fit, then I give them a chance to push the Roosters, but um, if not, then it's it's a big ask, I think. But yeah, I'm 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 eager to watch this one because I think Para's confidence will be riding pretty high at the moment. Even though they've won one game all season, they they know that they've been close enough in every game at, at certain points to almost come away with a result. Alrighty, let's move on to the two premiers, the thirteen games. So. Uh, these will kick off after the prelim finals. The first one is the women's game at 5.50. So obviously there won't be any players from the four remaining teams in the finals. So made up of Broncos, Titans players, as well as some um, feeder clubs, uh, New South Wales Q Cup players as well, um, obviously from the female competitions. So for the Australian women, Karina Brown at fullback, Emily Bass and Bailey Davies on the wings, Jamie Chapman, Shanae Saloka in the centres, Jada Ferguson and Shakai Tungai at 5'8 and halfback, um, Avila Ingram and Stephanie Hancock as props, Steph Hancock is captain, Lauren Brown at dummy half, Zara Canfield, Talisha Harden, second row, and Sarika Muka at lock. And the interchange, Sophie Holliman, Jessica Ellison, Laker Clark, and Tiana Rashford-Smith. Um, and in the reserves there, we have Sura, Parisi, and Togo. And for Papua New Guinea, we have Laguna at fullback with Butler, Yvonne De La Cruz on the wing, Gorsman and Koroi in the centres, Joe and Malabarg in the halves, Kapua, who's captain, and Kunjil at prop, Kapo at... Hooker, Humu, and Wula in the second row with Banu at lock. And on the bench, Molawia, Reeves, John, and Long. Um, with regards to the Australian team, with the Broncos and Titans not making, obviously they get a fit, still a fair bit of choice. Steph Hancock, Jada Ferguson, Chapman, Bass, Brown, uh, Bailey Davies. Who it's pretty much the Queensland team. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Surprise, no Taryn Aitken or Ali Brigginshaw, but you'd assume they'll be both part of the Australian squad come World Cup time. And the Prime Minister's 13 is kind of like a a reward for a good season if your teams haven't made it through to the finals generally, but also an opportunity for future players uh, that the coach or the Australian Rugby League uh, identifies as being able to play at this level in the future. So there's a mixture of that in there uh, for the Aussie team here. Um, hoping the kids are still still pretty good. We're about an hour and a half drive away from 
Suncorp, so I need to factor that in. But I'm oh, really looking forward to seeing Jamie Chapman play live. I really enjoy yeah. watching her her game. Uh, Jada Ferguson as well, Karina Brown, those I've already mentioned, and um, Steph Hancock. I, I I just have a feeling she's one of those players that likes to have a chat on the field. And with the ticket prices being that good, I'm um, hoping to get pretty close and be able to hear some of that. Especially, I'm trying to sit in behind the benches if we can. So it's like 50 bucks a ticket and kids are free. So it's going to be pretty, pretty awesome afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to just marvel at Steph Hancock, eh? She just keeps getting better. She's old, man. She, it's crazy. And just, she would have scored five tries this year, too. She'd be close to the top try scorer in the comp, I reckon. And um, yeah, she just, she loves it, too. Yeah, post try celebration, yes. very Ben Hunt like as well. But you're right. I I, oh. I love watching I love watching Jamie Chapman play. She just once she gets into open space because she's she's a taller taller girl. She's just got the long strides and no one can get close to her. Something and that we can't relate. Someone to. I was, no, we've got to take about four strides for her one. Yeah. Um. But no, like I was really disappointed losing her, and I was I actually really wanted to see her play fullback for the Broncos this year, and they they did change it up after a couple of weeks, but. As soon as she went back to center, she was as as dangerous as she was last year. She any good ball, she beats her. beats the defender every time. And um, yeah, I think I tip and player of the match. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Uh, looking, I'm assuming we're both going Australia. Unfortunately, I don't know enough about the Papua New Guinea female squad to really give any analysis on that one. So I'm not going to pretend to try. Uh, well, anything on that? No, I. Unfortunately, the only Papua New Guinean female player I know is Elsie Albert, and, um, and she's sort of the I would have, I would have loved to have seen her mm. yeah, line up against the the Aussie forward pack, but um, yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see. Like it, it's another great platform for, um, especially the Papua New Guinean uh, ladies to you know get a chance to demonstrate their ability. Right, like there's mm-hmm. four new teams coming into the comp next year for NRLW, so this is their chance, and we've seen. Yeah. Elsie Albert's pretty much been a trailblazer. I remember watching her thing on um, NRL.com. They had an interview with her about, you know, growing up in Papua New Guinea and trying to play a sport as a female. And it's, it's a, it's a tough gig over there. And, you know, the, I really hope they do play well and that we do see more of them getting a crack in the NRLW. All right. Let's uh, move on to the, the men's game here. So this one's really a, a world cup trial. And also players that you'd expect to be in the squad to showcase that they should be starters. Uh, let's have a look. So it's the 14th, I believe, Prime Minister's game. Uh, first on the stage in Port Moresby in 2005. Sorry, 15th. But Australia's won 13 of the 14 clashes uh, where Papua New Guinea did get a draw in 2007 after being down 20 nil at halftime and come back to draw 24 all. So the Australian back line should be a pleasure to watch. Hopefully they get some early ball and hopefully it's behind the forward pack um, rolling forward because when we read out the team list, it's a really interesting combination of players that oh, I, with Daly Cherry Evans at halfback, would not be surprised if Mal Meninga is setting up a couple of uh, trick plays back through the middle of the field, maybe something off a... Um, banana kick or, or early grubber or something like that when you see who the outside backs are. Uh, for Papua New Guinea, remember their last game was a 24-14 win over Fiji. 
David Mead's last game, a legend of their country and rugby league there. And Kyle Laybutt had a really big game there at 5'8". He'll be shifting to halfback as well. So if we go through the squads here, so for Australia at fullback, Dane Laurie. Uh, and on the wings, Josh Adokar and Jojo Fafita, who had a cracking season once coming into the main Titan squad. Selm Cobbo and Zach Lomax in the centres. Couldn't have two more different players. Uh, Matt Burton and Cherry Evans. So let's just focus on that back line. Like Laurie... Fafita, Adokar, Cobo, Lomax. Um, if we're going to be kicking any bombs up, it'll be towards Lomax and Fafita, I'd say. Oh, folks, you can say Cobo's all right over the up. But they'll be kicking, gonna, they'll be kicking to the centres. Yeah, they're kicking to the nah. centres rather than the wings there. <laughs> I love seeing Dane Lowe. He did not have a great season overall um, compared to last year. I'm a big fan of his. Um, kind of wish he was in a better spot, honestly. Um Cherry Evans with Matt Burton is that could be really interesting to watch. Obviously, Burton's going to be the runner of the two, but we know Cherry Evans doesn't shy away from running the ball as well. Um, having a look over in the uh, Kummel's back line, Kyle Labart at halfback there. And then some fairly new names um, from my understanding anyway, but you've got Adine Gebby at fullback, Jimmy Nagutlik. And Leon Undupia on the wing, uh, Brandon Nima, Roderick Tai in the centres, and Judah Rimbu uh, at 5'8". What are your thoughts on the, the Aussie 7 at the back there? The, there's, a, there's a couple of really interesting picks there, right? I think Dan Laurie and, and Jojo Fafita are, I wouldn't say odd ones, but they're surprising. Um, but I can see, like, this is a... Every year you, with the Primaries' third end game, you always see people that you would never think get picked up in it. So mm. um, it's a great chance for those guys to play with experienced heads like Cherry Evans like and, and like Ben Hunt and Hooker for some of them. And that there are some experienced players sprinkled throughout the squad. So I think it's a really good opportunity for them just to get in those systems, learn from people that have been around that, how much rep football of Cherry Evans and Hunt played, right? And just learn how to be a professional off them and then they can bring that back to their club. So yeah. I think it's good. I, That's I, a huge, good I think, point. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I really hope Lomax learned something in this and, you know, because um, <laughs> tell you, like, Over or under three flick anything. passes? Uh, under, I'm going, yeah. He's, he's thrown <laughs> that out of his, um, he's flicked past that out of his game now. Um, but yeah, like there's it's a lot of X factor there, but um, the Cobo Addo card, that's that's exciting on that. That's left really edge. cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be really fun. And then this forward pack again, um this is this is gonna be cool. So you've got Tino Fasamawali and Tom Flegler, your two props. Again, not not really comparable players in any sense. Uh, you've got Ben Hunt at halfback, as uh, a halfback at dummy half, Nat Butcher, Angus Crichton, so the Roosters combination there in second row, and then Josh King who started really well for the Storm and kind of fell away, but he's there at lock. Then you got Max King, Bo Fermor, Luke Garner, um, and then Jake Simpkin there on the interchange with Josh Curran, Jake Avarillo, and Sam Walker as the reserves. So not the, let's say, biggest forward pack in the world, but um, some skill and speed in, in uh, Butcher and Crichton, uh, defensive machine in Josh King, and then some firepower in Tino. And then obviously we've seen what Ben Hunt's been able to do in the dummy half role, especially in representative games. Um, 
Really happy for Bo Fernmore as well. Yeah. To get some recognition. And Max King after yeah. a really good season. Oh, my, my biggest takeaway from this, and to me, like the one of the biggest calls is going to be Cleary Cherry Evans for, for halfback. Um, once World Cup comes around, obviously Cleary's still in the finals. Cherry Evans gets a chance here. Um, ben Hunt's going to be part of the World Cup squad. I'm interested that he's been selected at dummy half um, ahead of even Harry Grant or I was trying to think of who else in a dummy half maybe pushing for squad selection, but I think they're still in the comp. In oh, still playing. Yeah. With Reese Robson, Damien Cook. Uh, no, he'll play Fiji, won't he? Generally. No, he said that shows his preference. Oh, okay. I missed that bit. Um, I'll, yeah, but I was just, that was my initial thing. But then I was just sitting back going, well, there's no dummy halves there. Why is, is there a third choice halfback, um, maybe behind Cherry Evans and Cleary? Um, Adam Reynolds probably aged himself out. Um, trying to think of some other halfbacks. Maybe Mitch that's Moses. why Sam Walker's there. Uh, yeah, Mitch yeah. Moses still playing. Um, Nico Hines could have been one. Yeah, Nico Hines definitely. But so I, I think I think it's probably more of a like Cherry Evans and Hunter obviously going to the World Cup, but they haven't played footy for three weeks, so it's probably almost yeah. a chance to keep some match fitness up for them as well. Because yeah. uh, I, I and Tino as well, like there's because a lot of people I did hear I've listened to a few podcasts and a few people saying like why why bother picking someone like Cherry Evans in in this game because he's going to be in the squad, right? But I think it, it's, it's got to come down to that. Like, obviously, you need some older heads there to direct the young blokes around as well. But you're also six weeks without a game of footy or however long it's going to be between round 25 and the start of the World Cup. Like, people sort of need that top up, right? You know, yeah. like even us starting it, even us starting as buddy C-grade football, <laughs> the first round was always... Like twelve grand, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to watching Tino come up against uh, Mackenzie Yay. So, if anyone missed the Fiji game, this guy was magnificent coming off the bench, and he, I wouldn't say turned the game, but his impact on the game ensured that the momentum that the Kumuls had, they kept it. This is off the bench. He scored a try clocked up 118 metres and had eight tackle breaks. Uh, he's been playing for Central Queensland Capras in the Q Cup. And he came off the bench uh, in 17 appearances, but he's starting this week. He's starting this game and he is a firebrand forward. And Tino is going to relish a player like this to come up against. Um, think of, uh, I'm trying to think, like a, con- a controlled Corey Horsburgh aggression uh, with more like a... Uh, Joe Tarpany kind of involvement, I guess. Like this guy's in and around the game as much as he can when he gets on the field and he just does everything at 100%. And he's going to go at Tino. Uh, he's not going to take a backward step. So I'm really looking forward to that one. So I've watched a bit more Q Cup this year than I have previously and I really enjoy that competition. Um, so looking forward to the grand final this weekend as well. Um, yeah, I just... And yeah, like Jake Simkin kind of jumped out as a bit more of a surprise for me on the interchange, uh, especially when you have a look at Avarillo and the pretty solid season he ended up having for the Bulldogs. Um, Josh Curran um, as other Simkin, options there. The Simkin, 
the Simpkins selection is probably a sign of the hookers that are available at the moment. And some are just to relieve Ben Hunt. They probably won't play in the 480. Because um, there probably aren't a lot of hookers available for Australia and like bottom eight teams. Either of the Brailies, yeah. um, I was thinking of. And even... No, I'm not going to get that desperate. Oh. Um, <laughs> what, Lachlan Croker? Yeah, I was thinking that then. And I'm going, well, what's the difference really? Um, I guess you don't, you, don't really know, you don't really know what people are having surgeries or what yeah. injuries they've got at the end of a season. So, um, but yeah, like it's, it, for someone like Jake, Jake Simpkin, you look at it from his point of view, it's got to be exciting. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. His whole career, he's played in a struggling West Tigers team. He's like <laughs> the fringe first graders, really. So, um, yeah, you, this game's really for those guys, right? That they can yeah. just pick up, you know, like, you'd just be hanging off someone like Ben Hunt's hip and just be trying to pick up as much information as possible. All right, and on, on that note, I reckon we'll wrap it up there. I'm really looking forward to it. I love how they've tied Footy Fest. I kind of wanted more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Marketing ad- advertisement around it. Um, ticket pricing is perfect to take families to. Like, if you want the, the top seats, like the best seats you can get at Suncorp, they're 55 bucks for four games. Um, you're looking at 130 bucks for one Broncos game generally, um, which is awesome. And if you're a bit further away, it's 20 bucks for adults and kids are free. So even if Maddie and I take both kids and we're sitting in the best spots we can, it's 100 bucks. Like, it's, it's pretty well, well, very well priced. I think that should be advertised more. And you get to see some world-class players out there on in both the men and women's matches. All righty. That's a good one. Well, we'll um, get back to you guys. And the next the next show, we'll know the grand finalists. Um, yeah, it'll be really exciting. Two shows to go. Well, sorry, three shows to go to wrap up this season. And um, we'll have some news going into next season. Cheers, guys. Sounds good. Go Parra. Yeah, boys. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio.